the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Good morning, everyone. Um, uh, this is your host, Al Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason on KPXQ uh, 1360. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today, and uh, hopefully you've been enjoying listening to um, uh, our show, whether live or even the archived one, which you can access uh, all the time, either through the website itself, uh, 1360 KPXQ's website. You can Google that, or you can even go to our um, uh, social media platform, uh, in particular, uh, to SoundCloud. Uh, if you go to SoundCloud.com and just search for Let Us Reason, you'll come across our show and you can listen to all the episodes from the beginning of our uh, show last season in 2014 until now. So thank you so much for your faithfulness to stick with us and to uh, uh, make this show a reality. And we always appreciate your prayers and support. Thank you so much. Um, uh, today, I am going to uh, uh, talk about a very important topic that might take me a, a number of episodes, and that's the concept of peace between Christianity and Islam. Now, uh, we hear all the time, by the way, uh, uh, from both uh, Muslims and non-Muslims, that Islam is a religion of peace. Now, it depends how you're going to look at that, of course. Um, there are those that will tell you Islam is a religion of peace only if certain conditions are fulfilled, such as Islam is the dominant religion now, that Islam is uh, the uh, religion that is uh, um, uh, the law of the land, Sharia law is implemented, and uh, people, even if they're not Muslims, are willing to live in submission under this. So that's a view. Another view is that many will say, well, the word Islam means submission, and that's a misleading view because the word Islam does not mean peace. It means submission. What I'm trying to say is some will say the word Islam means peace, and actually, in reality, it means submission. So that's what I was trying to say. So either Islam is religion of peace when everything is under its control, and that's in another way, uh, in other words, I should say, if not everything is under its control, then there is always going to be this tug war between the house of peace versus the house of um, non-peace, which is the house of war. Why is it house of war? Because Islam going to keep pushing uh, to expand its house until everything is under its feet and under its submission. So that's, like I said, one view, and the other view is you hear it all the time that Islam is a religion of peace because that's what the word Islam means, which is not true. The word Islam in Arabic means submission. Now, 
um, we uh, need to really examine this from the scriptural perspective. Before I get into the Bible, for instance, um, I want to just share with you just a quick statistics. The Quran, by the way, that we have in our hand today, had 114 chapters. And uh, it depends really which uh, translations you're going to look at, uh, or even which Arabic version you might look at. There are variations in the number of verses. Uh, by the way, the number, uh, the, the verse numbering was just recently implemented uh, uh, in the nineteenth. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, in the eighteenth uh, century, around that time, that was um, uh, adapted basically officially, I should say. Before that, we come across manuscripts that have verse endings, but uh, the numbering itself, I should say, it's just a recent development. And if we look at the number of uh, verses in the Quran, uh, this is something that will vary, really. Even if you study the history of the collection of the Quran, you'll find out that uh, not all uh, known codices of the Quran agree with the number of chapters or number of verses. But roughly speaking, we're talking about more than 6,200 verses. Let's leave it like that. And... Um, out of the 6,200, the word salam, known also in the Hebrew as shalom, yeah, the Arabic is salam, Hebrew shalom, English peace, this particular word, if Islam indeed is a religion of peace, you would expect it to be uh, rich with this word, but we find it actually mentioned only 33 times. 33 times in a book that has more than 6,200 verses. 6,200 verses, 10% of that is 620, give or take. 1% of that is 62. So we're talking even less than 1%.005, I should say, percent of uh, uh, the total content of the Quran. It's something really that should really cause you to pause and wonder if Islam is indeed a religion of peace, why wouldn't it promote peace in all of its pages, in all of its teachings, in all of its verses, in the majority or the vast majority of that? Well, obviously, uh, that's not the case. Here's another interesting thing, and it depends, of course, uh, um, who you ask. Um, you're not going to find the word peace associated with the description of the religion itself. Now, a couple of times it mentioned that uh, God is calling people to his peace or to the house of peace, but it's up really uh, for your own interpretation what that means. Nevertheless, you're not going to find a single verse in the Quran that descriptively tells you Islam as a religion is called the religion of peace. So that's what I'm trying to say. In fact, we find the word peace actually associated with other prophets, including our Lord Jesus Christ in the Quran, but not once that is associated with the prophet of Islam. That's another thing that you should really uh, pause and ponder. What I mean is not once associated with his name in the Quran. So, for instance, there is a passage in chapter 7 of the Quran, verse 1. Uh, I believe it is 7. Um, I want to confirm it's at 37, actually. Chapter 37, uh, verse 109, in, in the story of Abraham, for instance, and you come across things like this. Peace be upon Noah. 
Peace be upon Abraham. Peace be upon Moses and Aaron. Peace be upon the house of um, a, a, a prophet called Yassin. And peace be upon the ones that were sent by God. So Muhammad, you can say here, is included in those technically sent by God according to the doctrine of, uh, of prophecy in Islam. But nevertheless, you're not going to find a statement like this associated with the prophet of Islam himself. That's another thing that uh, should cause us to ponder. Now, I'm just giving you just a, um, a brief intro right now and background because we are going to explore this more in-depth as we begin to discuss the concept and the doctrine of peace, biblically speaking. So uh, the word peace itself um, uh, really uh, could be defined in a variety of ways. One of it is uh, tranquility, harmony, security, uh, depending obviously on the context and the situation that we are dealing with. Um, it could be also uh, uh, s uh, translated to using other synonyms like prosperity, well-being, uh, uh, health, uh, so on and so forth. Um, if we look at a King James translation, for instance, um, we find that the word peace itself was mentioned 429 times in uh, the King James Version of the Bible. And different types of peace also are mentioned in the Bible. You have the uh, true peace, you have the inner peace, you have the peace with God, you have the peace with man, and you have the false peace also mentioned in there. Uh, if we look, for instance, at the Old Testament, and uh, the primary uh, Hebrew word, of course, in there, as I mentioned earlier, is shalom, and really shalom is not just a phrase or a uh, greeting. Shalom, really, uh, it, it's a concept of peace that covers one's life and everything in it. Everything that you do in your life uh, has this sense of peace to it, trusting God completely, surrendering to God, and uh, having this inner peace and outer peace that emanates from you, and so on and so forth. Um, we find that this was described in a variety of ways in the Old Testament. For instance, it describes relations between people, like a story of uh, um, uh, Jacob in Genesis 34, where he was talking uh, to uh, uh, others and saying, in verse 21, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them, as, uh, give them our daughters. So here is a dialogue uh, that has to do basically with the story of Jacob in this context, in Genesis 34, starting from verse 21. Um, in Old Testament also, the word peace describes the relationship between nations. For instance, in 1 Kings 5.12, it says, And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. So we're talking about two kings, King Solomon and another king, and here, peace was the result of the wisdom that God has given Solomon. You see, God is the source of this peace. Let us uh, be a mindful of that. It wasn't Solomon who was the source of this peace, but the wisdom given to him by God resulted in this peace treaty between Solomon or the nation of Israel and another nation. And let us always remember to give glory to God because this action 
reflects on God as a testimony that we serve the God of peace. In the Psalms, for instance, uh, we uh, come across Psalm 85, verse 8, and it says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. Notice, God speaks peace to his people. God does not speak violent. God does not give commands to kill, does not give commands to terrorize, does not give commands to annihilate, uh, uh, basically, uh, unless there is a judgment involved. When there is a judgment, we're dealing with something totally different. But God in general speaks peace to his people, according to the Old Testament scripture. Peace, of course, is desired status. Uh, you know, uh, shalom is often tied to a covenant. There is a covenant relationship that is taking place, a promise that is being kept. Um, you know, that the phrase, friend of my peace, is used in Psalm 41.9 in description of this concept of a covenant that is being kept, basically. And also, it is a greeting. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 6, we read the following, And thus you shall greet him, peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. So it's not just a greeting, it's a status in general, representing everything about one's life, basically. Okay? So once again, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and we're talking about the concept of peace. And uh, we're comparing and contrasting the concept of peace in Christianity and in the Bible, in particular, versus the teaching about that from the Islamic point of view and specifically from the Quran. But the focus is going to be, at least initially, on the Scripture and the Bible. And then later we'll revert back and talk about the concept of peace from an Islamic standpoint. Uh, peace, of course, is directly related to the actions and attitudes of individuals. Uh, but uh, ultimately, as I mentioned earlier, it's a gift from God. So uh, Isaiah 45, 7, for instance, teaches us this. I form light and create darkness, which is the outcome of lack of light. I make peace and God here is talking about his sovereignty over peace and also sovereignty over any calamities that take place in the world. God is the maker of peace, but also lack of peace will create calamities and trouble. So you have to understand that God is sovereign over all things. God is the source of peace, and without God there is no peace that could be achieved. In Leviticus chapter 26, verse 6, Leviticus Chapter 26, verse 6, which is one of the books of Moses in Old Testament. In fact, it's the third book in the Old Testament, right after Exodus. In verse 6, it says this, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. God is speaking to his people and saying, I will give peace in the land. So if you're seeking peace, you seek peace from God. If you want to do it your way, You'll never succeed. Our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament says this in John fourteen twenty seven: Peace 
I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is a profound statement, by the way, because here we learn that Jesus doesn't leave us with anything. He leaves us with peace. That's his legacy. In fact, what a wonderful legacy to have that not only peace to us, but even peace among us and peace among the nations and bringing the good news of peace with God. That's the legacy that our Lord left with us. And he says, it's my peace, not just any peace. It's the peace that he gives, his own peace, exclusively is, I give to you. And he is the one who is given this peace. We didn't earn it. He is given it to us. And then he contrasts this, of course, with what the world will give you. Obviously, the world doesn't give you peace. Otherwise, why would the Lord even tell us that there is a distinction between his peace and the peace or the fake false peace that is given to us by the world. So we have to also remember that this peace, biblically speaking, is given by God. We do not seek it. We do not try to create it. Only God is the giver of this gift. Isaiah thirty-two seventeen, for instance, uh, talks about the presence of peace as an indication of blessings uh, uh, of God. In fact, in Isaiah 32, 17, it says this, And the effect of righteousness will be peace, inner peace. If you're a righteous person, if you obey God, then you will feel that peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Now, uh, some might say, well, well, isn't that what the jihadis are doing, for instance? Isn't that what ISIS is trying to do to create peace? No, that's not what the scripture teaches here in the Bible. Uh, God is talking about the righteousness that comes from him, his righteousness. Remember, we cannot really achieve righteousness on our own volitions. We are all sinners. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice the ultimate peace that God has given us. We cannot really make a single good choice. We're, we're deprived of our ability to make these good choices. So let us not be, uh, let us not forget the idea that we are sinners with twisted minds, but God is the one that will give us this righteousness that will result in the quietness and the peace. In Malachi 2.5, the Lord says, My covenant with him was one of life and peace. It is the Lord speaking about a covenant that he made. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name, okay? Uh, it's also a reflection of faith, this peace that you have in the Bible, according to the teaching of the Bible, is a reflection not only of obedience to God and righteousness that is given by him, but also faith in him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. He has faith in you. You have faith in God as a believer in God. You'll have peace despite whatever might be going on in the world. Which remind me to say this. I know there's a lot of fear out there. Many Christians are afraid. Churches are afraid. Public is afraid. 
The talk is about terrorism. Talk is about what we're going to do. Well, we as believers in Christ, this is our golden opportunity to present that peace that surpasses understanding to the world that is troubled around us. We know that there is no guarantee whatsoever that the world will ever be living in peace until the coming of our Lord. He is the one who's going to establish that ultimate peace that will last forever. But for now, we are his ambassadors to bring the good news of peace, peace to all men. Isn't that what the announcement was at his birth, that it's peace to all men? That's what our Lord brought, and this is our duty. So we, I expect the world, by the way, to be afraid, but I am a little confused when I hear that Christians are afraid. We should not have the spirit of fear. We have the spirit of victory. We have peace that was given to us. In Isaiah 48:22, it says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. You see, I expect the world, the wicked, the non-believers to feel troubled because they don't have peace. They don't know the source of peace until they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's our duty to reach out to those around us. I'm not saying everybody around me is a wicked person. That's the word of God that is saying there is no peace to the wicked or for the wicked. So we have to realize that God looks at people outside of his covenant, outside of his presence, as those who rebelled against him, and therefore they're not going to have peace. Wouldn't it be a perfect gift that we give peace to people? But they need to hear, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yes, our life could be an example, but until they hear the word of God and the gospel, they're not going to understand the meaning of peace that we are experiencing. So we have to really look at those golden opportunities as a mean to share the truth. Our time is limited on earth, and I can tell you, there are so many signs these days that we are approaching in times, if not we are already in the thick of it. And either way, we need to be faithful to the calling that was given to us. This is who we are in Christ. Now, um, there is also uh, the concept of deceitful peace. People who might give you an idea that there is peace if you listen to them or obey them or follow their way. And the Bible is not silent about that. In fact, in Obadiah verse, uh, chapter 1, which is the only chapter, I should say, Obadiah um, uh, in verse 7, it says, All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. Notice, people do not keep promises and covenants. God keeps promises and covenants. If you rely on people for peace, you'll be disappointed all the time. And this is what the Scripture is warning us about. In uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, it talks also about those uh, or at least during in times that when the uh, false Christ, basically, the Antichrist, the one who will make himself to look like Christ, will uh, bring a false peace, per se. And this word says, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. 
well, our time is is um, approaching the end of this episode. If you have just joined us, you're listening to uh, Let Us Reason on KPXQ 1360. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and the topic uh, that we are discussing today, which will be a multi-episodes, uh, multi-parts called Peace Between Christianity and Islam. And uh, we're going through here uh, uh, the, a survey of the word peace, uh, accord, according to the scripture, at least a, uh, an abridged survey. We will start getting deeper and deeper into it from a biblical standpoint, and also will revert periodically to the teaching about peace in Islam, in particular because the fact that Islam always been presented to us through the media and the mouth of many Muslims that it's a religion of peace. So we want to really gently challenge that claim. And uh, thank you again for uh, joining us. Uh, this is uh, your host, Al-Fadi, for Let Us Reason on KPXQ 1360. You can always contact me through email, at C, uh, which is siraministries at gmail.com. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.